Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better, simpler way to buy with SeatGeek. With their seamless mobile experience, you can buy and sell tickets in just two taps. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. SeatGeek also has plenty of concert, comedy, and theater tickets available too. Best of all, our listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate on tickets, download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, click add a promo code, enter promo code RINGERNFL, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code RINGERNFL today. Welcome to the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me on the other line, it's Kevin Clark. Kevin, how you doing, bud? I'm on the side of a highway in Minnesota. I was going to ask about your whereabouts. This is the the worst Fargo deleted scene of all time. (laughs) Oh, the director's cut, baby. I'm into it. Just me potting for 45 minutes, talking about Jake Cutler. I have no idea where you are at any time anymore. Yeah, I'm in. I, I was just in Mankato, Minnesota. Uh, home of the Vikings, and th- this will be the last time the Vikings are, are going to train here. Um, and then uh, I'm off to Green Bay tonight. So, potting wherever necessary. I was in Green Bay last Thursday, then Indianapolis, then Cincinnati. I was in Bourbon A today at Bears Camp. We are just, you know, rambling men. I like it, buddy. It's, this is fun. It's fun to be around teams again, talking to people. You know, it's getting a feel for how teams feel about themselves. I think they all feel better now than they will two months from now but you know i like optimism it's fun that people are excited they're all in the best shape of their lives i saw something or heard something i've i've never heard in my life today it was in minnesota and it was this guy who was cheering just for the offensive line and a lot of people on twitter thought it was me it was not you i understand that but you i've been to I don't know. Over the last five or six years, I, I probably averaged 15 to 20 camps a year, always rooting for the skill position guys, obviously the quarterback, maybe a rookie. I have never in my life heard offensive line being cheered. And, and they really that that is the psyche of the Minnesota Vikings fan in 2017. The guy was yelling, come on, offensive line, give him some time. I mean, I can't blame them after last season. <laughs> he took a long time for him to come up with something to yell to the offensive line. I personally support this, obviously. No, I mean, of course if, you do. if anybody in the world is going to understand where this guy is coming from, it's me. Or Mike Zimmer. <laughs> oh, that's also fair. It was Mike Zimmer. That was, that's the twist. It was Mike Zimmer. All right. Well, we're continuing our 33 questions today. We asked the first three last Friday. We're going to be doing four more questions today. We'll be back with you this Friday. Things are happening. So we're going to get back into those questions. We're also going to be taking some bonus questions and some questions from Twitter as we go along here. We can't seem to get Mallory Rubin on the podcast because she hates us, but it's because she's so busy. We had Chris and Ryan last show. So those kind of people will be cycling in and out, but today it's just me and you, buddy. It's just us. Mallory has now canceled multiple times, which is fine. I'm pretty sure that's on you. She just doesn't want to talk to you anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's because I don't watch Game of Thrones. I do, and there's probably a good chance that's all she's going to want to talk about. But today, we are going to get into our first question, and it's probably the second biggest thing that happened Sunday, besides Game of Thrones. The Miami Dolphins signed Jay Cutler to be presumably their starting quarterback 
with Ryan Tannehill going down. And the question that is going to come out of this for our purposes here is are the Dolphins now a playoff contender and maybe a more dangerous playoff contender than the one they were with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback? Ooh, Ooh, that's a tough question. I'm going to start with no. Now, I, no, it's, it's a blanket no. It's a no to all of your of, of all of your questions, and we'll get into more specifics right now. So, what stunned me is that when Jay Cutler is healthy in the last three years, he has been Ryan Tannehill. I'm not; they're not the same player. They're very different, but productivity wise, I mean, you're looking at 88 to 92 quarterback rating. I think around you know low 60s completion percentage. Uh, I mean, really, I you know, pretty much the exact same uh, yards per yards per attempt in in most situations, and so I think you could say they have comparable amounts of production. I think it comes down to, I mean, one guy just retired, and so would you rather if Ryan Tannehill were healthy, I would take Ryan Tannehill because one guy didn't just retire from a torn labrum. One guy wasn't having extremely weird body language at a press conference in which he basically said he maybe doesn't want to play. I was very confused by the whole thing. And so it comes down to minor differences. And I would much rather have a, a healthy Ryan Tannehill because he's younger. Uh, you know, he, he he's just not in the same mental spot as, as whatever Jake Cutler has got going on. So in a perfect world, I would much rather have healthy Ryan Tannehill than whatever Jake Cutler has got going on. But that's not what it is. I, you know, I, I, I can't see a scenario in which they're better. I can see them being the exact same, which means nine to 10 wins. Maybe, maybe some of the weapons win one more game. We're looking at 11 wins and, and you're in second place in the, in the AFC East. I'm of two minds about this. First, it bums me out because when I was looking at some of the units around the league that I was, you wanted him to retire to a bear. No, that is uh, – here's the thing. I am excited about watching Jay Cutler play football for a yeah. team that is not my team. That part is exciting to me. I just wish it weren't the Dolphins because coming into the year when mm. I was looking at some of these offenses and defenses that I had – I thought could make a rise. You know, I thought could in some ways mimic what the Falcons did this year. Maybe not the best in the league but a big leap. I thought that Miami's offense was one of those groups because – it's year two under Gase, and I thought Ryan Tannehill played relatively well last year. I really do. They finished the season 10th in weighted offensive DVOA, and that was a pretty big gap from, I believe, 16 or 15 where they were for the season. Mm-hmm. They got better, and they really locked in at the end of the season. And I felt year two with Tannehill under Gase with Devontae Parker, who I think is going to have a big year or could have with Ryan Tannehill, Landry, Kenny Stills, that running game. I still have questions about the offensive line. I think everyone should, but I was bullish on that group. Now you bring in Jay Cutler, and I can't even understand how people even think that Jay Cutler could make this offense better than Ryan Tanhill in this moment. Jay Cutler's 34 years old. He really literally said today, I don't need to be in cardiovascular shape. I play quarterback. <laughs> He's the best. I mean, that guy is just the king of not giving a fuck. And, and it's just like, I don't know, man. It, I, I, it's not fun anymore. It's not fun to think about what this Dolphins offense can be. It's not am fun. I You're not having about, fun watching the Dolphins anymore. I Am I excited <laughs> to watch Jay Cutler just mope around all the time when things go horribly? Yes, because it no longer affects my life in a negative way. It's purely entertainment. 
So that part of it is something that I'm very excited about. But I was really pumped to watch this Dolphins team, and, and I just don't think it's going to happen. I know that Color had the best year of his career under Gase. You know, he completed 64% of his passes, and he only threw 11 interceptions. The season Jay Cutler had under Adam Gase in 2015 is worse than the one Ryan Tannehill had last year. Yeah. I, I just think a lot of this weird Cutler is a better option than Tannehill thing is just this weird, outdated vitriol towards Tannehill. I think Tannehill has developed into a solid sort of above average starting quarterback. And I was really I totally expe- excited to see him. I was really excited to see him. Exactly what you're saying. And you and you're two under gates. I thought there it wasn't going to be a massive leap. He wasn't going to turn into Aaron Rodgers, but I really I could have seen them pushing. Listen, man, the AFC sucks. It really does. Yeah. And 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 like you're I'm racking my brain here. The Tennessee Titans, if they're any good, are like should should make the playoffs. There's no it's not I don't see a good team winning 10 games and there's no room at the end for them in the playoffs, okay? And so when I look at the Miami Dolphins, I saw a huge opportunity for them. I mean, I I would absolutely have them as the 5 seed if Ryan Tannehill were healthy going into the season. I totally agree with you. That second tier in the AFC is right there for the taking. And there's a world in which Miami still wins 9 games and makes the playoffs. Oh, sure. That's different than being a contender. That's different than maybe with a puncher's chance if that offense really developed into a potent group, they, for one game, could knock off Pittsburgh or New England. That, I think, has now gone out the door. I'm not saying that they're going to be a disaster. I think that the talent plus Gase is enough to make them functional on offense, but I just think they could have been functional on offense with Matt Moore. I really don't. We've think been robbed. Jay- We've been robbed of a good storyline because I think the Dolphins have a personality type where they're confident, a little brash. They've got some guys in the locker room there who wanted to chirp at the Patriots. I think it was going to be a lot of fun to see those two matchups this year. And now I, I think that, again, I'm not saying they won't be competitive. I'm saying that they won't have the same confidence going into those matchups. I, I think they're the type of team that just goes 0-2 against the Patriots and loses both games by by like 15 points. I was talking to some people at Bears camp today, and there was just this feeling of now that Cutler's there, he just has this dour presence about him, man. And, and you can, yeah. the, they've been talking about it with you the Bears say. this year. And, and it's, you know, even it's Mike Glennon, right? No one's excited about Mike Glennon, but no one actively dislikes Mike Glennon. The guys in the locker room actually seem to really like him. So it's just one of these things where you have Matt Moore, who is, I think really well liked among those players. People like Matt Moore as like uh, people like the back quarterback pretty often, but Matt Moore seemed like a particularly strong case. And now you have this guy coming in, making $10 million for four months of work, a dude that never seems like he wants to be wherever he is. It, it just feels like Matt Moore may have been a safer choice. I know that the ceiling is probably higher with a fully functional kind of clicking Jay Cutler that we saw in 2015. I don't know if at 34 years old, with an offseason not caring about football, coming off a torn labrum, he can be anything close to that guy. There are a lot of sad training camp tweets, a lot of them. I mean, any sort of Jets quarterback play-by-play bums me out. I mean, there there is a wide genre. I have not been more bummed out this training camp than when Adam Beasley tweeted out, I think it was this morning, Matt Moore still believes he's in a competition with Jay Cutler for the starting job. Oh, Matt Moore. Matt, Matt, Moore, I, I Matt think, buddy, my dude. I compared this to the Sam Bradford trade today and what I wrote for the ringer about color. If you guys want to go check it out, I would encourage you to do so. 
in the sense that it just seems like it's a team wanting to get the most out of a group they're excited about. I know you're not trading a first-round pick yeah. for Cutler. The risk isn't even comparable. But the biggest difference to me was that with the Vikings, Sean Hill is not a quarterback that should play in the NFL. That's why you need to go get Sam Bradford. Matt Moore is. I know that Matt Moore is – the ceiling is defined with Matt Moore. You know – how good you can possibly be with the Matt ceiling Moore. is literally the roof. That's the only time that 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 <laughs> applies. The ceiling is the roof with Matt Moore. But it's still you watch that offense with Matt Moore last year, and it was an offense that looked like an NFL offense. It just feels like they could have rolled with that, signed a guy that's your backup instead of somebody that is presumably going to start. But I would just cede the floor to Adam Gase in this situation. He knows both of those guys, and if he's the one that wanted Cutler in there, if he thinks. The offense can be better than Cutler. I tend to believe him in this case. He has done pretty good as a pretty decent track record with quarterbacks. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I I, I trust him. I think there was a lot of a lot of weird reports. Uh, oh, is he going to look at Tebow? Is he going to look at Kaepernick? Like, I, I Adam Gase is a top five quarterbacking mind in the NFL, in my opinion, um, as far as coaches go. And so I, I I I trust that he knows what the Dolphins need. And so that that does give me pause as far as shorting the Dolphins this year. And that's why I'm a little more optimistic than I would normally be. All right, Kevin, before we get to our next question, I want to talk to you guys about our friends at mybookie.ag, the number one rated online sports action site for the third straight year. People have been regularly cashing out on the MLB action recently, but you can also score big on the NFL preseason and the fight of the century coming up at the end of this month. You know who's going to win, right? So put your money where your mouth is. Lay down some cash at MyBookie and win big today. You can collect up to a 100% bonus and double your bankroll on the house with your first deposit. Just use the promo code RINGERNFL to get started today. They have in-game live betting and an all-new, best-in-class mobile website that makes wagering on the go a breeze. And unlike other websites, MyBookie offers fast, no-hassle payouts when you win. You're wasting your time betting anywhere else. Join now and MyBookie will match your first deposit with up to a 100% bonus. Use promo code RINGERNFL to activate your offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today or call 844-900-BETS. Play, win, get paid. Expert or rookie, you got to check out MyBookie. Sign up today. All right, buddy. That's enough Jake Cutler talk for right now. I assume we'll get to plenty more as the season goes on. I know I'll be watching a lot more Dolphins football than I might have been otherwise. But our second question is... Pretty, you know, red meat type of question. And that is, what do you think will be the best division in the NFL this year? Ooh, this is a good one. It's a fun one. There's a lot of options. I I don't think there's a lot of options in a weird way. I think it's the NFC South. You know, obviously you have the last two NFC champions in that division. But I also just see an incredibly (laughs) high ceiling. First, I thought you said the last two NFC South champions. And I was going to be like, yeah. <laughs> they're, Man, they're still they, there. it goes really. There's a long streak of NFC South teams winning the NFC South. It's really one of those crazy coincidences. Um, no, so they've won the last two NFC championships. That includes yes, all the teams you. in the NFC, Robert. And um, and so I just don't see kind of a, a floor that's that low on any of these teams because they all have at least in in three cases really good quarterbacks: Cam Newton, Breeze, and Matt Ryan. And then you have Jameis Winston, who I think is on the ascent. And so it just comes down to defense. Um, If any of those defenses can be dominant, then you're looking at the runaway NFC champion. 
if any of those defenses can be really good, you're looking at the probable NFC champion. And so I just think when you have a division that has tons of good quarterbacks and, you know, stars, I mean, they've got defensive stars. They've got guys like Gerald McCoy. They've got Luke Kuechly. Um, You know, I, I don't really know what to expect from the Falcons defense this year, but I love Vic Beasley. And then you have sort of X factors in, in New Orleans. They're not the most talented defense in the world, but they've got guys like Sheldon Rankins, who if they improve, I mean, you're talking about, a, a team that could really do some damage because as as we know uh drew Brees is in that little Westworld lab right now coming up with a 5,000 yard season with michael thomas willie sneed and then the third guy whoever that yeah, may be the wax and figure so, yeah um he doesn't know who it is yet he's still he's in the lab and he'll come out and we'll find out on like september 12th who who the who the thousand yard receiver in new orleans is he's chatting but with anthony hopkins just, which you know it's that's a weird conversation i'm sure Breeze is very confused but he's picking his brain Unbelievable. Uh, he did it again. And so <laughs> I just, I, I feel like all those teams are so dangerous. A lot of times with the strong divisions, you just look for you know who the crap team is. I don't see a crap team, man. There are no easy wins in this division. And that's, that's what I think differentiates it from some of the other divisions. So I understand where you're coming from. And I feel like looking at four teams that have defined floors is a good way to do it. I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm thinking about it in a slightly different way. My division is the AFC West. And I think that my outcome is the same, but my input is a little different. I think all of those teams also have defined floors, but I think it's because at least one part of their team is going to be elite. So if you look at those teams, Oakland's offense is going to be really good pending disaster, right? Denver's defense is the same way. The Chiefs mm-hmm. aren't necessarily in that camp, but I just think there's so much talent there that they can only be so bad overall, even though I know you're a little down on them. And I think that the Chargers defense Last year was not smoke and mirrors. You know, they're a top 10 defense by DVOA. Mm-hmm. They have a ton of talent on that side of the ball. So that unit's going to be really good. You still have Phillip Rivers. You know, even though the offense seems to be falling apart instantly before the season has even started again, I still feel like every single one of those teams have a side of the ball that is going to be really, really good. And in my mind, if something doesn't go catastrophically wrong, that puts you in right there for seven to eight wins no matter what and i think every single one of those teams falls into that category did you just say if something doesn't go catastrophically wrong and you're talking about the chargers i know i feel so bad for them man they're like at this point they're like the softball episode of the simpsons where everyone it just has their own little misfortune and eventually just going to be phil rivers and and like 52 guys you've never heard of oh poor phil rivers ozzy smith fell through the funhouse Philip Rivers, I've had this conversation so many times, but I always come back to it just because I feel like if he had gone to Pittsburgh or the Giants instead of one of those other two guys, we would talk about him differently. His career would be considered differently. It it just feels like that guy can never catch a freaking break, man. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, Eli Manning. He's so good. Eli Eli Manning really, I mean, we don't talk about this a lot because it was still kind of an ass move, but I mean... He did play his cards right going to the Giants instead of the Chargers. Yeah, I mean, it definitely went better for him than it has for Phillip Rivers. Okay, so we think those two are going to be the best. I mean, each of us have our own opinion. I think that the NFC East is right there for me, and I think for a lot of people just Mm. because the teams are so high profile it is, but you don't think they're even close to this conversation. You think that's going to be a down year for that division? 
So I think it's going to be a super competitive division because I think gotcha. all those teams are are vaguely similar. They all have a pretty good quarterback. Wentz obviously being the worst of the bunch for now. But then Wentz has all those weapons and, and there's a slightly higher ceiling on him than there was last year. So I'm not shorting any of those teams. I'm just saying I don't that 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 division in early December of last year, had two Super Bowl contenders. We were both talking about the Giants and the Cowboys as Super Bowl contenders. I just don't see it for any of those guys. Certainly don't see see two teams like it was last year. I see maybe one team winning 12 games out of that pack and, and getting really good, but I think last year was sort of a special year for that division. I, I don't know necessarily if they had the talent to replicate that because Dallas lost a lot of snaps. And I know that was on the defense, but that's still, I mean, I think they had the second most snaps lost in the NFL last year. I think that's really, really pivotal. Um, Washington, you know, I, I, I kind of believe in them, but they've, they've still got holes. I love what Terrell Pryor's doing. I was a Redskins camp a couple of days ago. Terrell Pryor is, is I've never used this term before, I don't think, but it's a, it's a very football term. Terrell Pryor is a man. He's a man. Yeah. I mean, like I, I was shocked at how good he is. And so I, I'm sort of getting on the Redskins bandwagon, but I, I still have a long way to go to believe in any of those teams as Super Bowl contenders. I feel like Washington's kind of in that same boat in terms of their floor. When you think about some of the elements of that offense, if Pryor can come in and replicate the receiving talent they had last year, if he can be that number one guy and Cousins doesn't have much drop-off with him and Jordan Reed, and I like Jameson Crowder. So if you think take all those guys, if Doxson come in and play, even though he seems banged up already, their offensive line is always going to be a, at a certain level because of Bill Callahan. And I feel like Jay Gruden's a really good offensive coach. So if that group can, again, provide that worst-case scenario not being that bad, then I think that they can be in that conversation. And I think Philly's going to take a step forward. So I, I understand where you're coming from with the NFC South. I think the quarterback thing is a good way to think about it. But I still feel like the NFC East has a chance to be right there by season's end. Did you see Jay Gruden lost like 30 pounds because he drinks apple, apple vinegar every morning? I've heard about that, yeah. What the hell is that? You know, I, I've never tried apple vinegar before. Maybe I should try. This training camp thing has been rough on me, man. I am bad at traveling and staying healthy. I, I need some apple vinegar in my life, maybe. That's the answer. I'm not. I go the other way. I lose tons of weight because I'm just grinding and I forget to eat. I literally, it's it's dinner time here in Minnesota. My dinner tonight, uh, because I'm in the middle of nowhere, was literally a Lunchable. Wow. Which kind? Turkey or ham? Uh, ham and it came, they switched it up with the Lunchables, came with a uh, Reese's peanut butter cup. Oh, that's a pleasant little surprise. Yeah. I'm sure you were happy yeah. about that. Yeah, yeah it was, it's good. I mean, you want to you talk about Lunchable desserts. I mean, that's that's up there. Oreos the problem is the Green Bay Drive, there's just too many Culver's. They call to me. There's too many of them. There's one every 20 well, feet. I'm doing How it can tonight. I it'll, be, it'll be closed. It's great. You got to plan. If you, if you fail to plan, you've planned to fail, Robert. <laughs> All right, buddy. Coming up, we're going to talk about our bounce back teams of 2017. We're also going to talk about some quarterbacks who may not be garnering your attention right now, but maybe they should be. But first, we're going to take a little quick break. Start college as a student. Start growing as a leader. Learn lessons that go beyond the classroom, like how to challenge yourself, to think strategically, and to lead with Army ROTC. When you register for Army ROTC, you'll be on that path. Plus, as an Army ROTC cadet, you may be eligible for a full tuition scholarship and a monthly allowance of up to $500, eliminating the need to worry about how you pay for your education. Then, once you graduate and complete the program, you will start your career as an officer in the U.S. Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. 
Start ready to learn. Start ready to lead. Start ready for your future. Start strong. To find out more about the Army ROTC program and how to pay for college, visit your Army ROTC representative or visit GoArmy.com slash podcast. There's strong and then there's Army strong. Paid for by the United States Army. All right, bud. Our sixth question of the 33 actually came from Twitter, but we liked it so much that we decided to incorporate it into our main set of questions. Jimmy Crawford asked us, who is your bounce back team of 2017? Great question, Jimmy. Good. Robert, why don't you start on this one? So uh, this may just be my literally cardinal red colored glasses that I seem to wear every year. Yeah. But I, Same do team. Think I do think Arizona has a chance to come back and be in the playoff mix again in the NFC. I just feel like that defense, you know, they quietly were great last year and finished third in DVOA. And I know they lost some guys. Tony Jefferson, great player. Calais Campbell, the underrated centerpiece of that entire franchise in a way over the last five seasons, the way they've played run defense, everything else. But I feel like the moves they've made can stem the tie with some of that stuff. I think that DJ can come in and play well in the interior. Buda Baker can come in and make some plays and give them flexibility in the secondary that they really like. I just feel like they have enough playmakers on that side to keep that unit right among the best in the league. And I think that offense isn't as bad as the one we saw last year. Now, Palmer was not great at the beginning of the season. Pass protection was an issue. I just think that in that system, they're going to be much better than they were a year ago. And I still believe David Johnson is as good a centerpiece of an offense as we have in the league right now. So I think with that defense being as good as it can possibly be and the offense bouncing back a little bit, they're not going to be the 13-3 and three Cardinals that we saw a couple of years ago, but I think they no. can make some noise in the NFC. I thought it was interesting. Bruce Arians a couple of weeks ago said that the loss to New England, the Jimmy Garoppolo game, ruined their season. And I, I think you see that a lot of times in the NFL where, where a team has Super Bowl hopes and they, they get off to a bad start and all of a sudden the whole thing's cooked. Yeah. I love Arizona. Um, I don't, I don't love them as much. What as do you like about them? What do you, th- do you, do you have different reasoning than I did? I've already on the last show talked about how much I love Reddick, the first round pick. Yeah. Um, David Johnson. I mean, we're, and here's the thing, man. We are entering an era of sort of unprecedented positional flexibility. I mean, I, I, I am of the theory that in 10 years, you're basically going to have five of the same guy uh, on offense and defense outside of the quarterback in the line. And, and, and so I, David Johnson is, is the perfect modern player for me, in my opinion. And so I love him. I love, um, you know, I, I love Bruce Arians. I love the idea. We're in year like four of we're in Bruce Arians last ride. Like that's been a long time coming and maybe it's Larry Fitzgerald's last ride. Maybe it's Carson Palmer's last ride. I, I tend to believe in, in the power of those things. I'm not totally sure what the hell happened last year because I think everyone thought maybe it was their last ride last year, but at some point in my new statistical model for last rides being on the, the Cardinals are number one on the list. Is that a multiplier? Or is it just one straight number? No, you stack them. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. It's, that makes total It's a counting stat. It's a counting stat. They're, they're, they're at three. Three last rides. That leads right. the league. Since I stole the Cardinals from you, who would be next on your list? Oh, yeah. All right. So I'm, I'm actually going to say um, both 2016-2015 season NFC Championship game participants because I'm I right kind of believe you, in Carolina. Yeah, I kind of believe in Carolina. You know, one of the things... I did a story a couple of uh, a year ago on last training camp about, um, you know, the youthfulness of the NFL and, and how the, the, the teams are getting too young. And one of the guys I talked to uh, and, and about in that story was Josh Norman. And 
I think that the, the the interesting thing about Josh Norman is everyone generally agrees he was he was pretty much terrible um, for the first two and a half years of his career, something like that, and that you know he bought in and and Carolina really developed him into a really really good player, and so throughout the reporting process and and you know I was in Carolina the other day talking to some guys, I really do believe even though they they've lost Sean McDermott, I really do believe in that that team's ability to. Um, to mold players and make them decent NFL players. They have a young defense outside of Luke Keekley. Um, they got rid of Coney Ely. But, I mean, in my opinion, I, I think that having a full year to plan for this stuff, I really do feel like they will have built some sort of good defense that can compete in the NFC. Last year, getting rid of Norman in the summer was such a dumb mistake because you cannot recover from that. You don't have time. That defense is going to be much better this year than it was over the course of the 2016 season. They finished fifth in weighted DVOA compared to 10th for the year overall. And it's easy to trace how that happened, right? You have two rookie corners who started off very slow and eventually came to be pretty good players by the end of the season. You have James Bradbury on one side, Daryl Worley on the other. Now Captain Munnerwin's back in the slot. He's not as good as he was a couple years ago, but familiar with the system pretty seamless there i feel like that town in the secondary they have a chance to be a really good group this year compared to what held them back last year and then the front seven is the front seven it's the same guys we've known forever k1 short is a star peppers i don't know if him coming in and getting the work i assume he's gonna get snap count wise here compared to what it was in green bay is going to affect how Mm -hmm. impactful he is, but he's still got some juice in the tank, man. I think this defense overall, if Keekly is right, that is the biggest question mark for this team. If he is right and he can play the entire season and be the guy we know he can be, then I think they can be a top five defense with their eyes closed. They can walk to it. I totally agree with you. It was interesting to me last year, this sort of journey that, Panthers fans had in my mentions and that's that's how I do I don't watch some people watch tape I just look at my mentions and just see what happened (laughs) that's your own Uh, version of tape man that's good enough yeah just just check the tape man check the mentions no I'm kidding uh I barely ever look at my mentions but I would I would talk all the time about how much the secondary needed to improve with the Panthers last year and as the season went along fans kept telling me that I should stop saying that because it was outdated and and the secondary was getting much better as the season went on. And I, I do think, having viewed it a little bit, that I do think th- those guys are, are both players. And, and I think that they're going to be much better this year. Obviously, I mean, they got torched in some games last year, man. That was there was some that Atlanta game was ugly. embarrassments last year. There were some embarrassments last year. And that's just not going to happen this year. I think, again, getting rid of Norman in the middle of summer, I mean, no team can reckon with that. That was a a gambit to sort of say culture above all else. We don't need Josh Norman causing uh, problems in the locker room, but man, they really need a Josh Norman for, for one more year. And I know that the offensive line still has questions. You know, we all laughed at the Matt Khalil deal. I was talking to a GM this week, just about kind of about the market dictating some of the decisions these teams have made at that position. And it really did this season with the lack of talent in the draft and the guys that were available in free agency, but their offensive line was such a mess last year that even if you're not necessarily excited about Matt Khalil and Taylor Moton likely being the starting right tackle as a rookie, I still feel like if they can stay healthy on the interior, the group is going to be better than they were a year ago. So you combine that with the element you hope McCaffrey and Samuel bring, an element that has been missing from every single Panthers team of the Cam Newton tenure there, and I think that you can talk yourself into this group being more exciting, having a higher ceiling 
just having more elements and layers than the one we saw a year ago. And combined with that defense, it, I mean, they really are a contender and a candidate to win you know, five, six more games than they did last year. Who wins the NFC South? I'd still bet on Atlanta. I'd still bet on Atlanta to win the division, even though I don't think they're going to be nearly as dangerous as they were last year. Me too. But I think I Carolina's also think right that there. they. I think I, I think they they're handling the Super Bowl loss better than Carolina did. Yeah, and considering how devastating that was, I also think you know Rivera is a good coach, and what you said about McDermott was a good point. But I think Rivera is the kind of guy that can lessen the impact of losing someone like Sean McDermott. But I just think you know talking to Quinn and I love Ron Rivera. Everything else, I, I just feel that Atlanta team is well suited to deal with what happened, and I just think the talent there on defense is good enough to make up for whatever they're going to lose on offense. Mm, probably agree. But we have a prediction. I'm not show quite in a the same. Weeks, so I, don't, I don't think I, they're I don't a bye week team that rolls to the Super Bowl, but I think that they're very much in play to make the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Both Arizona and Carolina are definitely in play. If, if either of those teams played in the AFC, I'd have them in. If you're like me and you're always waiting to the last minute, there's an app called Hotel Tonight that's here to help you out. Basically, Hotel Tonight teams up with great hotels to help them sell their unsold rooms, which means there are always incredible deals available. And these aren't last resort places. They're cool, top-rated hotels you'll actually want to stay in. Not to mention, with a ton of awesome partner hotels in so many different countries, Hotel Tonight can help you find a great hotel almost anywhere. Whether I want to spend the weekend away on a whim or book myself a staycation at a cool local place, Hotel Tonight is helping me be a little bit more spontaneous. Kevin and I are hitting training camps all over the country, and Hotel Tonight has been clutch with booking rooms for our ever-changing schedules. And you can even book a hotel up to a week in advance, so it's not just for last-minute getaways. All it takes is 10 seconds, three taps, and a swipe. See for yourself. Download the Hotel Tonight app now. All right, bud, let's get to our last question for today. And I, I wanted to talk about this one. It kind of came from some of the news that's trickled out from camps over the last couple of days. And I want to discuss which quarterbacks us and fans may not be caring about much now, but maybe they should because the situation and what could happen based on who eventually starts playing could garner some interest, could be something worth watching moving forward. So which quarterbacks that us and fans probably don't care about now are people that we should be looking at? I think that this is a, a question that just depends on who you actually care about or, or who, who we're talking sure. about. Because I think Patrick Mahomes is somebody that's really interesting to watch. But I think every Chiefs fan is watching Patrick Mahomes in every rep in practice. I think nationally, I think that there's a lot of people who think that Alex Smith is going to be the the starter all year. And that's that. And then Mahomes is, is a developmental prospect. I think that, A, the Chiefs obviously love Mahomes if they went up and, and got him that high in the draft. Andy Reid is not afraid to make a quarterback change. I think that you know, I I love Kansas City. I love Alex Smith, but I think that at some point they've seen Alex Smith. He's done. And, you know, we talked last week about about the first quarterback benched. I don't think it's going to be Alex Smith, certainly, but I could see around Thanksgiving the Chiefs, if they're in contention and the offense is giving them nothing, maybe maybe Ty Hill, maybe uh, West, maybe those guys are, are getting it done on the ground. Maybe, maybe Maybe the Chiefs make a move. Mahomes is an interesting name to throw out there, and I, I agree with you. It's a similar situation as far as the quarterbacks go in both Chicago and Kansas City, right? Yep. You have a guy yep. making starter money 
that would seem to entrench him as the guy this season. In Chicago, I couldn't care less who plays quarterback over the course of the year. If for some reason Glennon's bad and Trubisky plays, fine. It doesn't matter. If for some reason, yeah, if for some crazy reason Mike Glennon isn't great. Well, the reason I don't mind is that it doesn't matter who plays in Chicago because the rest of the roster is in a place for it to matter. They're not going to be good enough no matter who's under center to be around in December and January. Sure. With the Chiefs, there is enough talent on that roster that if Mahomes comes in and gives them a new dimension offensively, things start to get interesting. That's why I think he's somebody worth paying attention to in a way that Trubisky is not. I agree. And that's just, you know, th- that those are not necessarily who wins the competition or who's going to emerge as the guy from camp, but guys that are worth looking at going forward, you know, week five, week six, depending on how the season breaks. There are other teams that the quarterback competition is this big thing that I just don't care about. Do you really care who ends up becoming the quarterback in Denver? It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> I think it would be interesting if Paxton Lynch couldn't win it this year because then that means Paxton Lynch is pretty much done. Yeah, it, to me, it's just when I'm talking about what the team could be, that's why I don't care. Yeah, no, I, no, no. I, I know what you're saying. I'm just saying, I get what as you're saying a, too, though. I'm actually a little bit interested in that because I'd like to see if he's actually going to bust like this. Yeah, that, and that's a good point. But there are kind of situations around the league that I'm looking at more because I feel like, I don't know, there's just more to it. Like It really matters to me that Deshaun Kaiser is the quarterback for the Browns. I just think that with some of those guys catching passes, Corey Coleman in year two, Kenny Britt is a solid player. That offensive line, if Kaiser can come into that situation and be the guy from the start, that'll be something I monitor over the course of the year. I feel like that is an intriguing set of circumstances. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, I I just think that in general, I mean, Kaiser, I I really, I, I was at this NFL PA event uh, in May or June and all of the rookies were there. Josh Dobbs was there. Mitch Trubisky was there. Um, Sean Watson was there. All of the rookies were there. And I just named the quarterbacks just cause they, they stood out, but they're, you know, every, every single rookie was there. And it was really interesting to me to see who people gravitated towards. And Kaiser mm-hmm. was a guy who sort of popped in, in, in the, in the public, in the public space there. And, and I, I think that, you know, I know that it sounds weird, but in general, like coaches and GMs look for that stuff. They look for the the, the guy that everybody gravitates toward. He was holding court. He was, you know, obviously extremely popular with the other rookies. And so I think that Kaiser has has some uh, some intangible qualities. You know, you always heard those stories about Russell Wilson early on where he was just I'm not comparing the two at all. Or Dak. But, you know, or Dak. Right. Or any of these guys. I mean, some of these guys, you know, I mean. You you heard things about about even Romo when he was an undrafted free agent and, and he was you know this was ten years ago but you know you you heard stories about his leadership and how much guys liked him and so you you start hearing these stories about guys' personalities and they matter man they matter you didn't hear these stories about Ryan Tannehill yeah I mean you're right it's you're absolutely right and I said when they drafted Kaiser in the second round when you have that war chest of picks spending a second round pick on an incredibly high upside quarterback. His good was as good as anybody in coming into this draft, and his bad was yep. worse. And when you have that amount of picks and all those dice rolls, spending a second-round pick on a guy like that is worth it every single time to me. I loved it, and, and I just feel like everything that's come out, everything Hugh Jackson said that's been reported, 
I'm going to look at that. I want to see what he can do in that offense. The other situations that are unsettled, it doesn't really matter to me. San Francisco, it's a stopgap deal. Brian Hoyer's there. He'll look fine half the time under Shanahan. The Jets are going to be a circus, and I would love to see just how bad they can be, but at a certain point, it doesn't matter. So Kansas City and Cleveland, I think, are two good ones where the guys they drafted this year, if they do get in the mix and become the starter early enough in the season, it'll be worth monitoring as we go forward. Yeah. I mean, I think what's interesting to me is how many quarterbacks – are just entrenched. I mean, I I feel like five years ago, it was okay to enter a season with just no plan at quarterback. And really there's only one or two teams that have that now. Um, and we see that every year now with the, with the free agency stuff, like Mike Glennon didn't have that many options because most teams draft a quarterback. They have an option. I think ownership cares now so much about having a guy. doesn't matter who it is. They just need a guy, even if it's freaking Paxton Lynch. Right. And so I think that's what's interesting about quarterback competitions now is even when guys get drafted high, there's an incumbent there because quarterbacks, have, I know it's, it's, you know, you read books from 60 years ago calling it the most important position in sports, but dude, it's gotten more important. Much more important, significantly more important. And I just want to say, you know, Deshaun Watson is of the same mold of the guys we're talking about now. He does, he does not oh, yeah. apply here. We care about Deshaun Watson already. <laughs> Deshaun Watson is not a guy that we don't care about yet. He's a name we've mentioned a hundred times on this show. So just to throw that out there, because I know it seemed like we, we weren't we, mentioning We devoted him. the top segment in the last show to him. Exactly. So, yeah, he does not apply in this case. But Deshaun Kaiser and I would say Patrick Mahomes certainly do. All right, buddy. That's it. That's questions four through seven of our 33. Friday, we will be back with another batch as we kind of kick around to some more camps, see some more stuff. It's a fun time of year. I'm uh, having a good time. I don't know about you, bud. Are you ready to host me for the pods on Thursday That's in right. Chicago at the, Chicago at the Bank pods. of Bob Lair? Yeah, I, uh, I think I, you can come into my apartment. I think I can get it in shape by then for you to be here. Oh, wow. This is not going to be good. No, it's fine. It's fine. I know. I, I cleaned up a little bit, so we should be good to go. As always, guys, thank you for listening to the Ringer NFL show. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll be back on Friday. Ready to start strong? Army ROTC prepares you not only as a college student, but also as a strong leader allowing you to earn the rank of second lieutenant. Plus, you'll be eligible for full tuition, merit-based scholarships. Visit your campus Army ROTC representative today, or visit GoArmy.com slash podcasts to receive more info about scholarships and the Army ROTC program. There's Strong, and then there's Army Strong, paid for by the United States Army.